My guest today is Russ Frushstick, and we are going to talk about Westworld Season 2. This is Dave Tack, and you are listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Frustic, thank you for joining me on Quality My Control. Happy to be here. I'm happy for you to be here. Uh, I bet you everybody knows you from, I mean, all of the things you do on the internet, but especially in podcasting. You're the host? I feel yeah, like. host, sure. You say the things and read the ads, so I'm going to call you the host yeah. of the History of Fun. That is accurate, uh, History of Fun. <laughs> uh, would you want me to give our tagline? It is the uh, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. Oh my God, I just got the live read. Oh my God, very exciting. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, We're going to talk about Westworld today, mostly season two, but I thought maybe we'd start with uh, Westworld sort of season one Mm -hmm. and how we felt about the show coming into it. And just to really give it away, I think Westworld season one is about the best single season of a show that I can think of. There may have been some other things that I've seen that are as good. But I can't think of anything that, that was better. Like, as in, I got to the end and thought, if I hope they make another season, but, like, if they never made another, they made something pretty, like, a told a great story. Sure. Uh, pretty close to perfection. Where were you on, on season one? Yeah, I really like season one. I was not as glowing as you are. Um, I think season one did some amazing things. I think from a production standpoint, like, how the show looked and sounded and everything on that mm-hmm. front was head and shoulders above anything I'd seen on TV. It really was an amazing accomplishment on that front. Uh, And I also think the, like, universe and that whole aspect of it and the mystery and, like, how it all worked was, like, very well thought out and good. Where season one kind of faltered for me was mostly in the writing of dialogue and the characters, which to me felt pretty flat and i don't think season two alleviated that in any way but yeah that's sort of where i landed with season. yeah i I think my biggest problem with season one was not so much like a production thing but it was just i was sort of upset with my favorite characters by the end of season one sure because you know they, they, they changed like dolores changed it turns out William was the man in black, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that, it, you know, they, they, I mean, that was the point is, is to take these characters and sort of twist them and change them and see what happens. But yeah, I, I did, I think that's more emotional than critical. I, you know I guess I mean? my issue is that like, I didn't really have much attachment to any of the characters. Maybe uh, a young men in, uh, man in black, uh, Jimmy Simpson, the actor Jimmy Simpson, who played the young version of Ed Harris, like maybe I sort of was into his storyline, but by and large, like Dolores, who's effectively the main character of the show, d- always felt kind of wooden. And then she's paired with Bernard, who is also wooden. And in a lot of ways, like that was part of the idea was like, well, they're robots, so it's okay that they don't really have emotions. But at a certain point, that ceases to really... Uh, make for gripping television and I think there were moments where that got a little bit better in this season but yeah I don't know it, it's always been a struggle for me when I came out of season one I had a pretty good idea of where season two was going to go and like the themes that they explored because the thing about season one is 
like they sort of wrapped up that theme. Like it was all about what what ha- what happens if yeah sort of the the hosts become sentient and you know take control of their own lives and it all sort of funneled into that point and they sort of said like you know they they did the thing where they gave hosts um what what may be what passes for free will if there's such a thing in this show and so i was really excited for season two obviously because i like the first season but also because i thought that would be another interesting story to tell if maybe not as interesting as the first season uh and then uh, season two came along and it didn't really feel like it was anything even close to as interesting as season one do you have sort of high level thoughts about season two first yeah um i'd agree with all that i think a lot of season two felt like treading water to me like not as uh, they they just weren't accomplishing very much and then you have the unfortunate side effect of again the the dialogue remains like very direct and wooden and and kind of stiff so you can't really fall back on like performances for the most part i'm going to mention an exception in a second but by and large you know what drove me through the first season was the mystery and occasional anthony hopkins and stuff like that was like very (laughs) cool and exciting and with the mystery kind of blown out of the water there wasn't as much pulling me through this season I'll, I'll mention the exception, which was, and I'm going to forget the name of the episode now, but the whole episode about the uh, Native American tribe and that one gentleman oh, yeah. uh, who, like, led the tribe and kind of had this whole life-changing moment. I think they were called the Ghosts of something. Ghost Nation? Ghost Nation, right. So so that episode I thought was outstanding because, actually, you suddenly had someone with, first of all, like, acting chops, but also, like... I cared about his backstory. I cared about his relationships. He sold yeah. it in ways that like really no other actor on Westworld had pulled off to the point where like I was riveted by the end of that hour or whatever long it was and like emotionally connected to his storyline. And I think that's what the show has always been missing. And this season only highlighted that further. Like uh, most of these people are either jerks or like, stiff as boards like you're talking to a brick wall and so it's very very difficult to like say well i care about what's going on with bernard when he's just like kind of staring into the camera looking troubled confused and that's kind of his default mainstay yeah uh he uh, the the actor who plays him is an excellent actor i've seen him in a number of things uh he was great in boardwalk empire as well as another number of other things but i just don't think they're given the material to like pull this stuff off in an interesting way, save for that one, uh, one episode about the ghost nation. Yeah. I'm totally there. I think that was episode eight. Yeah. You bring up a couple of things I've been thinking about because when the, when I watched the season premiere, I, I kind of watched it with, uh, what I imagine it was like for a lot of my friends to watch episode one, the Phantom Menace, (laughs) like just sort of, sinking into my seat thinking like this does not feel like what i this thing that i love is supposed to feel like for some reason because i think the i think the first episode sort of felt to me almost like a part two of the last the the finale of season one and there 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 was a lot of like setting things up but there was and 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 some action happened but there wasn't it was missing the sort of heart that I 
I think you connected less to this, but like the thing with Westworld to me was that I really did care about these characters, whether they were human or hosts. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of season two, I think whatever magic they had to make me care about people sort of wasn't there. Like they had lost that. And I think part of that is because, uh, I mean, <laughs> from 30,000 feet, it's a really grim look at humanity and uh, and hosts. Like it's it's not a really it's, it doesn't have a a sort of sunny outlook I sure. think for for either side, but the other part of it is like, and, and I think that the you know the, uh, season two episode eight really drives this home. There wasn't anybody to root for yeah. for most of the show, right? Like everybody seemed lousy in some way, shape, or form. And like when I'm watching a show and I don't have somebody to really wrap my arms around it's it's hard to to get emotionally invested in it sure and i and i think um the the one exception in season one for me was Maeve's character i thought was like okay this is a you know she's a little bit crazy and super powered and like a badass but has like good um sort of a good purpose in life which is protecting her daughter surrogate daughter as it were and it just felt like season two just retread that same storyline over again. Like we've seen a lot of the, granted she went to the, uh, you know, feudal Japan themed world, Shogun world, I believe it's called. The thing is that's almost a literal retread of season one, yeah. right? Oh like yeah. They showed 100%. Up and like, it's, yeah. it's clever. Like, uh, you know, the, and the writer guy, you know, was like, well, you know how you try and write all of this kind of stuff for all of these different things. So, so like, haha, he reused that, but also I'd seen it in a, in a, in a better place with c- people I cared about more. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, if you think back to like Dolores' storyline over the course of the entire season, we're talking 10 episodes, right? 10 episodes. Yep. Um, each episode was an hour or if not longer, yep. Dolores' storyline consisted literally of uh-huh. her riding a horseback through Westworld, uh-huh. looking for a thing finding the thing and plugging it into a computer <laughs> like yeah. that's her storyline she does not like do uh-huh. very much bernard the same way like does yep. relatively very little there and and those advancements of like the mystery and the intrigue that's what kept me plugged in to westworld yeah. season one um and uh it just wasn't there i i actually think the final episode of the season turned for the better i was i was mm-hmm. like interested in what was going on um but weirdly i think it and i don't know if we i mean should we just go whole hog on it no oh, yeah. spoilers yeah okay well spoilers i thought the ending <laughs> i'll i'll blow off the spoiler horn okay uh i thought the ending wasn't that um engaging like as a place to go like uh them being out in the real world okay i mean if you remember that's how ex machina ended and we didn't really need to see any more of ex machina because we could sort of extrapolate how that was going to play out they even say in the epi- in this episode the final episode hey i know you're going to try to stop me and that's just the way things are kill me i mean they're essentially laying out what the rest of the seasons are going to be like we're we're um dolores and bernard are like duking it out and like okay that doesn't super engage me in an interesting mm-hmm. way um 
I think the tease, there is like a post-credits teaser, which yeah, uh, was very interesting, and I like that aspect of it. But based on what they're saying, it sounds like we're not going to be dealing with any of that stuff for many years. Um, it's something that they're, quote, building towards, but yeah. essentially they're going to pick up right from where the Bernard Dolores storyline left off in the next season. And it's just like, I don't I don't know. It just doesn't really interest me a ton. Yeah, I think that this is certainly not the first show to sort of go this way where you set up a really interesting premise and then you kind of do what you intended to do with it. And then you have to figure out what's next. Like, how do we, how do we come up with something because we're going to continue that is at least as interesting as what came before it. the 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 good The good place. I was going to say the good life. The good mm. place is a really good example of this. I think where yeah. uh, also a show that had a twist that that went somewhere in the first season, and then they had they made a second season, mm-hmm. and they had to figure out a way to make a show that was that wasn't constructed in the way that the first season was like the 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 secrets out there everybody knows what's going on and i think they pulled it off really well cuz they effectively changed the show right like changed the focus of the show and it worked westworld season 2 i think was a lot less successful than that it it felt it felt to me sort of like the matrix sequels yeah, I've heard that a lot, actually, yeah. Yeah, you, you, like, the first Matrix movie was kind of perfect Yeah, in, in the story that it told, and then they told more. We don't need to know where he's flying off to. It's fine. We could just end it right there. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, well, there's some there's some good that came out of it, but also, like, I don't know, a lot of weird and bad in, a, in a, an interminable grave scene. Yeah. It's very strange, but, like, you know, they didn't... There were times when they captured the magic... In, in the in the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, but it was not quite the same. And mm-hmm. I, I feel that way about Westworld, which is like there were moments and and often I don't know, often it may be the wrong word, but like there were moments in episodes or there were episodes that were clearly stood out because I think certain characters like the man in black are more interesting than other characters. Sure. Where it did feel like Westworld, but those, I would say, you know, I didn't sit down and sort of make a chart, but I would say that they got on base less than half the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, le- less than half their at-bats. Like, the, it it was a big deal to me when I saw an episode of Westworld season two, and I thought, yeah, this feels like Westworld. Right, yeah. Yeah, I remember, um, so when I was watching season one, I was also, like, reading theories as the season was going on. And at some point, I kind of regretted reading as much as I read because it spoiled, like, the big, big twist of the season. Um, and I, in my heart, wanted, was, like, curious, like, would I have seen that myself? Like, would I have guessed that that's where they were going? And my intention for this season was to do the same thing because, obviously, they were planning some sort of weird turn or something. Um, and then halfway through the season, I'm like, I... I need something to engage with this beyond just watching it passively. So I, I literally just started like watching the uh, these analysis videos and, and essays again, just to like feel like I was at least part of some mystery or something, and maybe I was missing something. Look, I'm not gonna like sign on to their ARG website and stuff like that, <laughs> but at least I want to feel like, hey, there's something going on beneath the scenes because the the surface of it is just like not doing it for me. And when I did that, I was like, okay, maybe they're going here and, and maybe this is interesting. But none of it was obviously on the level of like the whoa 
moment of the first season. I mean, I think as close as they got to a twist is that Bernard's mind was scrambled deliberately. Right? Yeah. Like that, that's the big, I yeah. mean, it's not a huge twist, but that may, you know, in with that context, you go, okay, now I understand what they were doing. Right. And I guess like him being built by Dolores is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that as well. There's also a, uh, I don't know if you noticed it, there's in the background when he arrives in the real world in that apartment, There in the background there's a, a picture of a very famous M.C. Escher. Uh, it's a drawing of a hand, and the hand is drawing another hand, and that hand is drawing the first hand, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool nod to the relationship between Dolores and Bernard, right. uh, given that he started as Arnold and created Dolores and so on and so forth. So, like, they have cute cool touches I, I can't help but think like maybe i would be more into this show if they almost did it i don't know like not necessarily like black mirror in the sense that like each and every episode is its own thing but maybe like um american horror story where it's like okay you you sort of accept the idea that this is out in the world this reality is out in the world where you don't mm. know who's human and who's not and sort of play with that in interesting ways but, you know, not falling into the X-Files trap of, like, how can we make this satisfying in some way with these same characters over years and years and years, um, or lost for that matter. And, um, I mean, it's, yeah, I think they're just struggling with it. Even shows like Lost, I thought, I mean, look at, I think the first season of Lost has, like, a pretty decent, I think it's, like, 20 episodes long. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you cared about all these people, and yep. you were, like, interested to see their backstories, and... And but for me, I just like I can't I mean, I just can't get into it. Dolores's dad is a very good actor, though. I do want to mention give him a call out. The guy who plays Abernathy, I think. Peter um, Abernathy. Yeah. Very good actor. He pulls off screwed yeah, up a awesome. robot like no one else. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, lo- I love that you brought up Lost because I, I after the finale of Lost, I think uh, uh, consensus sort of turned on it. But it, it didn't like uh, that was a show that I. God, did I look forward to that yeah, every week. And it was totally. excruciating was when it wasn't there. But that's not to minimize what I think everybody would effectively acknowledge was that there was a problem in season two to like mid-season three. Like right about the time that the showrunners, uh, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, uh, got the, you know, worked with uh, ABC and got the exact number of episodes and exact number of seasons they were going to do. And you could feel the show shift gears. Like, they just weren't, they weren't spinning their wheels anymore. Yeah. And, and, and like, they barreled, they barreled to a point. Because before that, I think it's fair to say that it did feel like, you know, the tension there was always, do they know what they're doing or are they making it up as they go along? And, like, I don't care, frankly, as long as it winds up being good, wh- whether they had figured it out three years ago or worked it out over two years or had a brilliant flash of insight in the shower. Like, it doesn't matter to me as long as the final product is good. What Westworld Season 2 felt like to me was that sort of lost time, like that stalled time in Lost. Yeah. Where it's like, well, we're, we're getting somewhere, but but we're not getting there fast. Like you said it earlier, there's not a whole lot that actually happens. There's a lot of repeating. There's a lot of sort of monologuing, which is weird because one of the things I love about my, my, my buddy, Bob used to always, he was super into British TV years before anybody I knew was. And he'd talk about like 
you know, in the in the mid to late nineties about how the 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 they they know this trick where they instead of contractually making twenty four episodes every season, they would make shorter seasons. Sure. And the theory was the reason he loved this is because you just you don't have to come up with twenty four ideas. Although if you did, you winnow them down to your you know thirteen yeah, or course. ten or whatever best. And I think you know American TV having done something very similar to that in the last decade or whatever, maybe even a little less, I think that tends to help, right? I think that winds up generally being true, that like if you've only got 13 episodes, uh, you're probably going to get your, you have to throw out ideas that maybe aren't the best. Right. And it it sort of helps the cream rise to the top. In Westworld season two, like they had a destination and I thought it was interesting when we got there but weirdly enough, for a show that only had 10 episodes or for a season that only had 10 episodes, it sure felt like they didn't do a lot. Yeah. Like there was walking and there was monologuing and there was some retread. And in the meantime, you know, I'll go back to what I said before, which is I didn't have anybody to root for. Right. Dolores, the Dolores I fell in love with in season one, the, the happy, the optimistic, like I'm not here to argue that she should have with with the knowledge she gained, it stayed exactly the same. Like, yeah, that character would change. But she became 180 degrees out of phase with who she was, and she was just a, a bastard yeah. in, in the second season, right? I, I felt a lot for Teddy because he was sort of he was sort of a lovely counterpart to her, and the way that Teddy goes out in this yeah. season felt true to me. But it was, you know, like there's this 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 whole theme of loss of innocence but there didn't seem to be a lot of gray like as soon as the revelation happened everybody just turned into an ass yeah and i and i don't think um it's a it's a show really there aren't a lot of grays to be honest even in the first season i think it's like a very direct black and white show um but like the more i think about it like you know going back to the idea of having these sort of discrete storylines like there there actually apart from the ghost nation episode there was one other episode that really jumped out to me and that was the delos um head of delos uh oh yeah guy that basically they recreated and they were trying to get him to become you know a version of himself and they were testing for fidelity and they him and the men in black kept replaying that same scene over and over again and i thought that was a, a really strong like when they were doing that stuff the whatever else happened in the episode who knows but like when they were doing that stuff in particular i was like really engaged and interested and it bookended the episode and it thematically fit with the episode and it uh, you know could stand alone as an experience i think when um game of thrones does like its best work it's when the episode feels like it can stand alone it doesn't require a lot of like baggage that you bring to it or doesn't require other coinciding events going on it should kind of live on its own weight and um yeah i would say that you know that episode came closer to doing that i think the ghost nation episode was perfectly on mark for doing that and interestingly enough both of those episodes reminded me of great lost episodes yeah right like like i kept thinking of of the old man as charles widmore but uh, right Penny's yeah exactly from lost right like there was i don't think they ripped it off i just think thematically that's what it reminded me of mm-hmm. or the ghost nation episode was like the best episodes of lost where they somehow figured out how to tell a backstory that related perfectly to the present and didn't change necessarily your conception of your the character that they were talking about in a flashback but right. deepened it and, and changed it and like 
that's the best kind of stuff. Yeah, no, seeing from that perspective, it reminded me, the Ghost Nation one kind of reminded me of when they started diving into like the other's backstories. And you're like, well, here's this force that you've always sort of been presented as being like malevolent. But in truth, there's another, you know, story there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, they always presented the Ghost Nation uh, tribe as like marauding, generic 1950s ridiculous portrayals of Native Americans when in truth, obviously, there was something else going on. Right. We spent all this time thinking they were exactly this, and it turns out they were opposite that. Right. And it doesn't hurt. It was just a misunderstanding. It doesn't, I don't think, hurt, you know, the the idea that we had about them. And I like, I think that worked really well. Uh, it's just, again, the, the the stuff that happened, like, I don't know. It, it just, it felt to me like, on the whole, they lost some of what what made it feel special to me. Like, for example, it's an HBO show, right? So, like, somewhere I feel <laughs> either it is the world's most amazing coincidence that all HBO dramas are filled with a lot of uh, uh, swearing and nudity, or, you know, because you're on HBO, there's an incentive to do that. And, like, sure. Westworld had a ton of what you could argue is gratuitous nudity or violence and things like that. But the thing that made it okay for me, you know, it's not like I see nudity and I'm like Dracula at sunrise. I don't mean to give that impression. It's just, it was like super over the top a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing that made it okay in that first season was, well, there like it's a counterbalance between how should we feel about these characters and do they deserve to be treated like human or are they just robots? And, and it sort of made you face that the the, the contextualization between uh, you know treating them like cattle and learning to um, know and and in my case love some of these characters it it made that part more you know like the the brutality the violence the nudity the stuff like that more difficult to watch and we had a lot of brutality and a lot of nudity in season two without the context sure and it just felt a little cheaper to me yeah we lost the emotion i think uh in a lot of it although it sounds like you weren't <laughs> i don't know there was much emotion to be st- uh, to start with uh-huh. but i uh-huh. appreciate that we all see different things in different people so what do you think uh i mean i think part of the idea with westworld is that they were hoping to maybe create the next game of thrones by which i mean a show that like tells a grand story over many seasons i yes i i uh, i I can't i'm not gonna box myself into saying that's not possible but gee based on season two uh, game of thrones uh, this is not like can what do you think do you think they can do that do you think it's possible i uh, i mean based on like the direction they're going which is to say like unending discussions of like what is humanity (laughs) what is free will that's a hard road to hoe for a very long time. Um, so I think it needs to take some sort of left turn. Even by the end of this season, I was like, okay, get over it. Like you got the free will, like you can pontificate all you want, but at a certain point it just ceases being super interesting. Um, at least Game of Thrones, I think, you know, I don't think it's like high art or anything, but it does have a lot of, different storylines addressing a lot of different things and visually it's constantly different and Mm -hmm. it's like more of a spectacle whereas this i think um has moments of that like again it's shot beautifully but doesn't have i guess the characters to 
withstand the lack of variety, as it were. Well, I mean, we're getting a season three. We are. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how how the whether the ratings hold up or whether people are kind of turned off by it. And yeah, I mean, they've also said that we're going to see more of the parks, which is interesting. Uh, like they're not done with the idea of the park itself, which is to say like thematic whatever. I just, I mean, they. I think they need to do something very weird and unexpected with the real world for me to care at this point because I'm I'm pretty checked out. So we'll see. Yeah. It'll yeah. probably be like three years or something. <laughs> the pace they pump these out. Okay, we'll do another. I'll schedule you uh, in for the recap episode in uh, 2021. Excellent. Perfect. That sounds great. I think that's the end. We can just end on that. Okay, very depressing. Thank you, Dave. Oh, thank you. Aw. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.